You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome. Back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association, the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. I would like to remind you, you can submit your questions during the show. If you submit those during the show, we will answer those before we wrap up. And without any further ado, I'd like to welcome in today's guest. We have former Arizona Wildcat player. She won the 2004 WNBA title with the Seattle Storm. My husband, yeah. Copa, thank you so much for joining us, Coach. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. First things first, I, I just like to see how, how people are doing. How, how are you? How are your family doing just during all this? Um, it's it's great. It's been busy. Obviously, since COVID and then, you know, it's a long year. We're all trying to get rid of 2020 and never think about it again. Um, but then being in the bubble for the tournament and then fast forward, it's been like a month now. It's been a whirlwind. It's gone by so, like, so fast, but just not a lot of time. And yeah. Excited to go to USA Basketball in a couple of weeks, so it's just good things happening. It's just busy. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, you're doing the AmeriCup coaching, correct? Yeah, the AmeriCup. So it's no, typically at a different time, but uh-huh. the COVID, everything being pushed back, it was going to be in Canada. Now it's in Puerto Rico. So uh-huh. I'll do training camp end of the month, and we go to Puerto Rico. But it's like complete lockdown. It is uh-huh. like it's you know so I was just in lockdown and cutting um, the Final Four for three weeks. So it's going to be fun, though. You know. Yeah, what does prep for that look like? Well, it's my first time, so I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just winging it. Um, we had a we had a camp for like five days in South Carolina, where you know Dom School. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back, so now we'll have another camp. It'll there will be a couple friendly games for that first week, and then we'll go down to Puerto Rico for like ten days. So I'll be gone for like three weeks. But the catch is, it's a great opportunity. The mm-hmm. thing is, our our we've had a dead period for college. For like the last year, so it opens up June one. So all of our home oh, we'll back in the month. So the day I get off the plane, it's like eleven days of visits. But That's, I'm just I was like, you looking forward to that, or it's kind of like, oh boy, like it's just necessary work. No, I'm looking forward to it. I think the thing is, um, you know, we haven't had kids on campus in so long. So right. you know, these kids, and they normally don't come in June because like nobody's on campus, so they're coming right. to campuses. There's no students. I mean, there's like some for summer school, but the players aren't here. Aren't they? Yeah. So it's kind of a weird time to come. And then they go play in July. We go see them recruiting in July. So it's just a weird, a weird period. Yeah, definitely. So you have had a little time off since the, the tournament bubble. What's the main thing, like with a couple months to reflect, what sticks out to you about the tournament still? Um, It was just a, an amazing run. Obviously, if you would have said, oh, your team will be playing for a national championship, I was a slowdown partner. We got a couple <laughs> years ago. So it just, we got kind of got hot at the right time. Mm. I think the experience was different because it was in one place in San Antonio. Right. Um, in the bubble, obviously a challenge to have two kids. 
So like with a five-year-old and a seven-month-old in the bubble, that was interesting. It felt like it was three months. Um, but just the way that we played and fought and like showed passion and grit, um, it was, it, we peaked at the right time. So I think it was a magical run and no one thought we'd be there. So I'm looking back, I'm like, we did some good things this year. Mm. Now you we talked a little bit before some of your, uh, I guess your passion and grit was caught on camera. Uh, did you just want to, you know, I didn't know if you wanted to translate anything, give like the, uh, the kids friendly <laughs> preview. Yeah. Of what, of what was said there, we couldn't quite make it out. Well, it was just basically, honestly, I don't even remember because that time I was, <laughs> I was just pumped up. But um, it was basically like this, no one believed in us. No one thought we'd be here. Like, look around. We believed in each other. And I, and I brought him in tighter because I knew I was going to say a couple words. Sure. And then that spider cam caught me. But then I said, basically, like, screw everybody that didn't believe in us. Mm. We believed in ourselves. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, no one thought we'd be there. I don't even know in the beginning if we thought we'd be there. Right. So we came out, we played, we played against powerhouses. We played against like Texas, Indiana, Texas A&M, you know, Connecticut, who's only been there every year when they're not there. It's like a shocker. Right. And then Gino's a won like 11 national championships. So like only 11 more than me and about a thousand more games. <laughs> so the way our team showed up, but mm. we had never been in a situation like that. It was pretty amazing. And this is my little, uh, little guy. Yeah, special, special guest. Yeah. My special guest. that was, He's my little assistant coach. He thinks he's the coach sometimes. Okay, so he's the one calling all the plays. <laughs> yeah, he's you know, not calling the plays. He thinks he's running practice sometimes. Okay. <laughs> we got to get him a whistle. Uh. I know. Sometimes he's on the yeah, side for the pictures. Whistle. It's pretty funny. You got to go with him. Okay, say bye. Thank you. Bye, bye. Bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was, So you know, I think just all of those things, the way we just came together at the right time when like no one thought we weren't the best team at all. Like we beat teams that were way better than us. So I think all of that was just pretty special. Hmm. Now, as you mentioned, it was a, a quick, I guess probably quick to us, probably not quick to you going from six wins a couple years ago to the national championship game this past season. What do you think, like what was your key uh, to making that kind of progress so quickly? Uh, well, I think the year, so when I first got to Arizona, so that was five years ago, mm. we won like 14 games. We had six seniors. The okay. second year I made some like program changes, you know, we got rid of some kids, like some players that weren't mm. like, aligned with us and winning in the culture. So we knew we were going to take a step back just because of just like changing a program. Definitely. But I was optimistic that year, even though we had six wins, because I looked down the bench and there was Ari, Dominique and Titi. Mm. They were all three transfers that were going to play the next year, so I had a better I had a better practice squad than I did right. with my. You had some hope coming on the way. Yes, yeah, so I was like, okay, we'll be okay next year, but it was still a long year. I, I never lost so much in my life. Like we sucked, um, <laughs> and so that next year got better. One, the NIT had some momentum, and then didn't go to the tournament the next year, last year, because mm. you know we were like going to be a two seed. We were like a top ten, top twelve team, and then it got canceled. We it hadn't canceled, been in yeah. fifteen years. So fast forward this year, my reservation was, okay, we're going to go to the tournament, but we've never been there. Right. So like, what's that, what's that going to feel like? Look like we don't know. So I think that's what I was a little bit nervous about. So I was proud of the way we, we responded. So six wins to that. It, it was a pretty quick turnaround, but I'm happy. That's how it's Definitely. supposed to be. Yeah, ideally. Uh, people, <laughs> ideally. Yeah, yeah, I think people would sign up for that. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, you mentioned uh, Ari McDonald. We just saw her go top three uh, to the Atlanta Dream. What can you tell, like, the dream, the fans, the city, all that? What are they getting at Ari McDonald? Um, 
So Ari is phenomenal. You can't teach size, can't teach uh, speed. Mm. So her quickness, she's really fast. Um, she's a tenacious defender. Mm. But besides all that, she's a great teammate. She works her butt off. She's a great kid. Mm. So I think all those things, um, but she's great for the culture. So all those things like, are going to make her a long-time pro. She's going to have adjustments because she went to a team with a lot of guards. Right. You know, a lot of guards and just, you know, it's that's not easy. Yeah. I think that... Um, but she's going to learn. She's going to find her way. And hopefully, I, I think she'll be a good player in the league. I mean, she's, mm. ta she's talented. And you can't teach defense, so she can defend. I think those offense and the reading and getting the pace of the game and the pros will come. Right, yeah. The defense, that lets you kind of, like, compete, earn some minutes day one while you learn the the ropes of the other thing. Exactly. The other things can come. Mm. Now, I'm hearing there, I guess there's been some debate of who who's the best player in school history. Like, is it Ari? Is it yourself? Is uh, No, it is Ari, Ari, Ari. One, two, three. But I told her she can't beat my scoring record because she wasn't there long enough. <laughs> okay, so one A and one B, maybe. No, she's way better. Like, I couldn't even tie her shoes. Like, um, first of all, I told her that she, I would beat her because I'd foul out. You know, foul out in, like, one-on-one, -on -one, so that's okay. <laughs> no. But she is way better. She would have demolished every record, but she just happened to not be at Arizona four years. Mm. But, she, she took it easy on y'all. Yeah, she took it easily, you know, but she's better than I ever could have been. I was like the ultimate role player. Okay. All right. I'd like to go back with our legends a little bit. I mentioned you played at Arizona. Now, what got you to Arizona from San Diego? You're raised in San Diego. So in San Diego, born and raised, um, mm. it was – so my dream school was UCLA. And mm. UCLA recruited me a little bit because that was like a two-hour drive from my family. Mm -hmm. They only recruited me a little bit. I kind of liked USC, but I liked UCLA more. And then Arizona came in, recruited me hard. Joan Bomasini was the coach. Mm -hmm. I the connection with her. And, like, she, she had a plan for me and really believed in me. So, um, so you know, my parents could still come to games. It was only a six-hour drive. So mm -hmm. I think it just all made sense. And um, it was just an easy decision from there. Mm. Now, you mentioned you're more of a role player, have more success there in the WNBA. In college, you, you know, you were 18, 20 a game. What was it like making that transition? Um, it was just a different role to be to be all American in high school, in, in, in college. Sorry, mm -hmm. sorry. Um, and then to go to the pros and like it was hard making a team because remember in in college I was a four, mm -hmm. and then like I kind of had to transition to a three. I had never played a three. I remember the first game like they put me in as a three and Lynette Woodard. I was like peeing my pants because I was like. I'm going against Lynette Woodard. Like, right, this I, is my first assignment. Yeah. I've never played a three, and like I was scared. I had never done it. So um, it was a struggle for me in the pros. I was kind of in and out of teams, barely making teams, but I worked hard and just always had a spot because I was willing to do whatever. So I was like the greatest role player. I, if you told me to go in and die for balls, I was going to do it. I didn't care. Right. I just wanted to play. So, yeah. At the time you went into college, there was no WNBA, but the time you left college, there was a WNBA. So what was that like? When did you, I guess, start thinking like, one, this might be a real thing. And two, like, okay, this is a real thing. I think I could play in that league. Um, it was, well, I didn't, I, if you would ask me back then, okay, you can go pro and go overseas. I would have been like, there's no way in heck I'm going overseas, like all the way across there. I would I would have said no. Right. When WNBA came, there was the ABL and the mm -hmm. WNBA. So they were like kind of fighting for players. ABL had more money. WNBA had like the NBA backing. So it was more attractive for me because mm. of marketing and stuff like that. Right. So I thought that, you know, there's an opportunity there just to do more things as I grow. Um, so I chose the WNBA. I remember 
like my first salary was like 32.5. And I remember mm. like, oh, that's 32,000. Um, but you know, then I, it was with the Monarchs and kind of just had to make teams from them. Yeah. But it was a different role and, and different because, um, you know, you're, you're competing against like 30 year old women. I was like 22. Mm. with like Cynthia Cooper who had been 10 years over pre over over so overseas playing pro and just so seasoned and right. different so it was just a, it's a different world and when you go from college you think you work hard you go to the pros you realize you didn't work hard but it's a different type of competition you're going against mm. grown women that are like surviving and like it's to pay their bills right. with their family so it's a totally different level. You can't simulate that kind of no. practice in college. No. Yeah. In college, you're like, oh, you know, you're going hard, but right. like you're going against a mom who's like the breadwinner and she's got a family. So the level of commitment and competition, it's like you don't understand that until you're in it. It's mm. completely different. On the court wise, I'm interested, what was the I guess the biggest challenges going from like a four to a three for you? I mean, it was so hard. Like in college, I was a post player, didn't really shoot the three, didn't handle the ball. I was too small to be a post player in the pros. First of all, everybody said that's too small in college, but then I was fast. <laughs> but I wasn't like a great shooter, not a great ball handler. So in the pros, I had to become a three and do these things. It was like, I had never done that before. I just right. didn't have experience. Right. So what was it like for you? You, As you mentioned, you bounced around a couple teams, but you ended up Sticking with the Seattle Storm, had some good years there. Ended with the championship run in two thousand and four. Like, what do, what do you remember about that team? Well, first, I, so I was done with the WNBA. I had gotten cut a couple of times, so I was like, I'm done with the league. I'm not trying to go make a team every year. I can go make more money overseas. Right. I was overseas. I think I was in Israel, and the the Seattle Storm assistant coach was over there watching someone. Saw mm-hmm. me. Was like, you need to come play for the Storm and try out with us. I was going to be a free agent. The Storm wasn't that good. So mm. that's how I kind of, I was like, oh, let me try once more. If I get cut again, then I'm done with it. Yeah. We went and tried out and made the team as a free agent, which is really hard. And then kind of stuck there. So made like Seattle my base. Played there for a mm-hmm. few years. We won a championship. Like I got injured when I was there and had like a good foundation there. Mm. Had like my nonprofit foundation. I was one of the first WNBA players to do that. Hmm. And then kind of stayed in Seattle after I was done playing. I was broadcasting for them. I was playing overseas and broadcasting for them in the summers. Hmm. So it left me, I was in Seattle 14 years. And that's kind of how I, I stayed there. So that was probably like the team I was closest to the organization. Right. And like they got me into broadcasting after with them and all this th- these things. So Seattle was an amazing place. Amazing fans, people, great ownership. Um, you know, you, you see why Sue's been there so long and never left. Yeah, I was going to ask, I think you just kind of covered it. Like, what do you remember about Seattle just as a city, not even basketball-wise? Just everybody I know that's played in Seattle, I like to ask that because everybody has fond, fond memories of Seattle. It's an amazing city. It's um, The weather sucks. Like, I'm yeah. not, it's, like, gray all the time. But, like, <laughs> you you learn to, like, just deal with it and you don't pay attention. Right, you get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it because there's, like, so much water. So when it's sunny, you're, like, on a boat. Everybody has boats there. You like live near water. You hike. You bike. Like the food is great. The seafood's amazing. Yeah, there's great places to go. Drive to. You can take a ferry an hour away and be on this beautiful island. Like and go whale watching. It's it's mm. an amazing place. The people are great. It's a very um, it's not like hug a tree, but it's like it is kind of like <laughs> it's kind of hug a tree. Yeah, it is kind of not like Portland, but you like um, you end up you will be the recycling king after you leave there you like recycle there like you recycle everything so when i came to tucson i was like you know you guys don't don't recycle what's going on here yeah you had to set them straight 
yeah, it's like, it's so confusing. First you're watching, you're like, what? There's like rules. And like, you have like, if you have garbage in your like complex, let's say mm. you live in a condo, mm. your neighbors will be like, you shouldn't have that much garbage by the end of the week. You should have this much because you should compost. And they will like tell you about it. Okay, that's kind of tree huggy. It's fine, it, but it, it is, is kind of tree. Yeah. It, and Tucson is different. Tucson is like, you recycle, you can watch a janitor pour the recycle in the regular trash. You're like, what the heck? Yeah, like, what the, what are we even doing here? Yeah, it's what? like, it's opposite. Like, it's crazy. They do not recycle here barely. Okay, so you got your work cut out for you. We'll, we'll put yeah. it like that. You got your work cut out for you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned your nonprofit. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. So um, when I got hurt, this would have been in 2003, I tore my ACL. Um, I was kind of at a point like, what am I going to do? Like I, I was, did it in a game against LA Sparks. Hmm. So it was the only year I was like starting. I was like shooting the three at like 38%, which I had never done in my life. Um, so I was like, why did I do it now? The final time right. I shoot the ball. So got hurt. Um, and then I was just kind of like, what can I do? Like I was devastated. Had never been hurt in my life. Hmm. Um, I was pretty good friends with like Rashard Lewis, Ray Allen. So a lot of guys had these nonprofits on the guy on the men's side because you know this is when the Sonics were there. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "You should do this. These are some things that we do." And so I used like some of my friends' people to kind of start it with the paperwork, and then like I started a foundation, and I wanted to mm-hmm. just get back in Seattle. So I just did stuff that was simple. Like um, I would go find like the most underprivileged elementary school, like where like. 80% are on free or assisted like lunch or meals. Mm-hmm. And I would like do like a, I would tell the storm, this is what I want to do. So I would say, let's say set out barrels, you know, in the arena and let's get people to donate school supplies. So mm-hmm. we would get like, truckloads of school supplies. I would go take it to the school. I did tons of stuff like that. And I was the first one to have a nonprofit. And then after that, like a lot of people had it, but it was stuff like I would take like boxes. I'd say, Hey, you guys, these shoes you barely wear, pour them in this box. And I'd go take right. it to the girls club. So it was just stuff that was easy to me. It was like effortless. Right. And it took like volunteers. I loved doing it. So I did it for like, oh gosh, I did it for like 15 years. Now, is that something like you money. knew? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. It didn't make money. It was like stuff. Like it would be like raise $7,000 off of these like merchandise and then right. like get school. So it never was like a profit, but it was a lot of work for me. I was just saying, I, I feel like nonprofits usually are more work. From what I it hear. was a lot, but it was rewarding because I could like just impact kids. And how hard is it for us to put some shoes in a box? Right, like just like that. They were throwing away the shoes or giving them away to the crowd anyway. So it was, right, like, like, we, yeah, we can do something with these. Yeah, it was it was so easy and it, it was amazing. Hmm. So. Uh, jumping back to Seattle a little bit, what do you remember about playing with Lauren Jackson? We talked to her two weeks ago. She's awesome. Here, what yeah, what what do you remember about about Lauren? Um, I can't say it all on camera. Okay. <laughs> a lot of stories. Um, Lo- I love Lauren. So Lauren was like one of my best friends for many years. Like we mm-hmm. still talk, you know, like we're in different sides of the world. So we don't talk mm-hmm. as well. Um, she was in my wedding. Um, and so I was always the, the DD whenever we went out. I was the designated driver always. Okay. I drink, so I was the only one that didn't drink. Um, so I was always the driver to keep everybody safe. But Lauren is beautiful, like like inside and out. An amazing friend. One of the most loyal people you'll ever meet. Um, a, a, a MF on the court, like just. A, <laughs> I like, think she would agree with that. I think she would. Uh... Oh my God, she was like one of the best players I've ever seen. But I think what made her so unique was that, like, she was mean. Yeah. Like in practice, she would elbow you in the head, cuss you out, and tell you shut up and pass her the ball. <laughs> like that's just how she was. But like she, it wasn't an act. No, you're saying. <laughs> no, she was intense. 
but she was the type like let's say she had like 30 points mm. one day. let's say the one let's say on a friday night she had 38 points mm. and she was like five for seven from the three 10 for 13 on the floor like mm. that's like stats that she would have she would be the first one in the gym the next day like wishing she would have had 45 points right like what, what can like, i work on what did i miss what shots did yeah. i miss yeah, she was she was just a fierce, a dog, like a competitor. Six mm. five at the time, shooting like fifty percent from the three. That was unheard of. A fadeaway jumper that you couldn't guard because she's six five. She's probably like a little taller, taller than six five. Mm. Um, just could do everything. I think still one of the best players ever to play. What was it like uh, hearing last weekend that she finally got that the the much deserved call? into the the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame? I mean, it was it was something she deserved. Um, it was something that, I mean, I'm, she should, she should, <laughs> she should have that. Mm. He's a great player. One of the best ever. I mean, multiple MVPs. Like, I mean, she should be in there. Yeah. So I think it was just about time. I'm very happy and proud of her. Um, I don't, I haven't seen many, too many players like her. I mean, to this day, if she was in the WNBA, she would dominate. Really? Like you just think her, you drop her in whatever era and that, that translates. Yeah, I think now there's some more players like her, but they're still not her. Right. Like now you have the Deladons, mm. you have some other really good players, like tall, skilled. But um, she was but, like the prototype. She was one of the originals. Yeah, so that, now yeah. there's a couple like her, but she was still. I think was unique to shoot fifty percent from the three is pretty. I mean, right, it just, it's a big yeah. Like as for a six five six six girl, I I don't know who, I don't know who else does that. Mm. Now we talked about dropping. Uh, her into a currently. What would happen if we dropped you into the current WNBA? What would your style of play look like? You think it looks? I, I wouldn't even made a team. Oh come on, coach. Uh, come on. Like I, I was just a hard worker, um, competitive. I think I was a time that any time would have fit because I would have done whatever. I was like selfless. Right. So if the coach was like, "We need a defender," I became this defender. I didn't even play defense in college. Like she was, I became a defender because I wanted right. to play. So I was just someone I probably would have been an okay like role player but looking back always hindsight 2020 mm. i would have worked on my game so much more earlier so then i would have i would have been able to i would have worked on my game so much more so mm -hmm. um, so i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have had a problem right no no <laughs> no sorry what the i'm always curious what's one skill you would say like you would encourage somebody to work on like you said those the skills of transition what's one thing you would encourage him to work on to be able to shoot um mm. and because if you could shoot it can open so many things and then being able to work on like your ball handling and stuff mm. <laughs> so we check we gotta uh go to the chat in a minute we got a few bear downs in the chat uh okay. arizona fans okay. checking in here uh, i did want to ask briefly yeah we got brody cast saying bear down Margarita Subby. So the uh the, the fans are, are definitely definitely showing out for you. Good. We love that. We love our Arizona fans. I did want to mention you talked about playing overseas Ukraine, Italy, Israel, Turkey. Russia. Yeah, where did did I forget any? Um Israel, Ukraine, Turkey. Um like Israel played two years, Italy played two years. Mm. Portugal, you forgot there was more Portugal. cows, more cows than people on the island. Um, <laughs> and then, like, no, you know, it's funny in there, I see so many cows, and like, it was hard to eat beef because, like, you know, I'm American, so when you see 
cows, like you don't want to eat beef. Like you right. see the animal there, but it was like the best beef ever. There was no fat. It was organic. <laughs> it probably was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. Uh, Ukraine, Kiev was hard. Like no mm-hmm. Americans. Russia, Russia was hard until you got your paycheck. And you got your paycheck, mm. you're like, this is easy. I can play Right, yeah, this ain't bad. Two weeks later, you were like, this sucks. It's crazy. <laughs> and then you got your paycheck in, you're like, this is easy. You know? All good. Yeah. Yep. Italy was probably good, better because I was older. Mm. I was half Italian. I played on, on Italian passport. I met my husband there. So I got to see more like real cultural places. Right. But, um, you know, I was older, so I appreciated more. Right. You tried to slide the last part. You know, met my husband over there. You just tried to, yeah, kind of uh, slip that in. <laughs> I know that's funny. Well, and I was older too, but I wasn't like the typical American. So this is what Americans do. Most of them, they go overseas and they start acting a fool. Yeah. Like you would never be late, like to a practice in the WNBA because you will be cut like fast. Overseas, they're showing up to practice drunk or um, <laughs> or late or hungover. Yeah. Or, like Americans wall out like over there. I mean, so they get sent home, they get kicked out of the country. Like, it's crazy. I'm like, you would not do that stuff in the WNBA. Right. So I was not that person. I was like a good pro. I was like trying to make money and like, you know. Yeah, you designated driving. It's a DD, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? What do you think was your toughest transition like on the court overseas? Like, was the game much different? It's different. Uh, I, like when you're an American going to like certain parts in Europe, you travel so much. Hmm. So like in Italy, you average like five travels a game because they like if you move your your pivot foot and dribble at the same time, they'll call you, it. Right, like they call that a travel. So you got to like dribble in place, then go like a Euro style. That's you. Um, you have to be able to shoot it. So if you can't shoot the ball, it's hard in Europe to play. Hmm. Um, but I think it made me so so much smarter. I learned the games because you have to learn spacing. You have to be more fundamental. So right. I think it definitely helped my game for sure. But it's just different. Like some countries are hard because there's no Americans. You have a translator. So I think just life and the comfort's hard. But I was someone who, like, I love people. So I would learn the words. I'd always learn the cuss words first because that was fun. So <laughs> well, that's me. The one you want to learn the words you're going to use the most often. It's, well, and you don't feel like you're, when it's another language, you don't feel like you're cussing. This so is true. Like, That's a great point. Like, you know, a, a word in Russian, you're like, it doesn't feel like a cuss word. It's not right, a yeah, it's just a word, yeah. Yeah. That, so makes, like, that makes perfect sense. And you learn, like, the food, how to buy something at a grocery store. So I was the type I tried to learn the language. So I always assimilated good. Right. Um, but some countries are hard to, like, I look back at some of the stuff I did. I'm like, oh, my God, I was taking, like, in Russia, in Ukraine years ago, mm. you used to put your, not, not a, um, you wouldn't put your thumb up. You'd wave at a car and you would jump in a random car mm-hmm. and they would like take you to, they weren't taxis. They were like people that make money. So they'd say $2 to take you to the gym. Like I'm looking back now. I'm like, I was in Russia or Ukraine. Just jumping in a random car. Jumping in random cars. Like I, after seeing the movie Taken, I wouldn't have done half the stuff I did overseas. Yeah. Like I'm serious. It was so dangerous. Yeah, that is kind of what, like, it's no, they didn't have nothing on their car. Like, you just hope somebody stops and it's like, yeah, no, take them to the grocery store. It's like a system there. Everybody did it. So if someone's off work trying to make some money, they just drive you. They say a dollar and they drive you to the store. But, like, they could have taken me somewhere. I don't right. I would. I wouldn't even know how to call the cops. Yeah, I don't know what, like, like 911 is in Russia. So, no, uh, I didn't either, though. So, like, I look back, I'm like, that was insane I did that. Like, I can't believe it. My yeah. daughter would never do that. I, see, that's you did it so they wouldn't have to. Exactly. 
<laughs> a couple more questions. We uh, won't hold you too long. Now, again, coming off the tournament, made some history in the tournament, yourself and Don Staley. Uh, first time black coaches and particularly black women coaches had met in the final four. Like, what, what did that mean to you? I mean, it meant a lot. Um, you know, the thing is, like, I think when you're you're in your moment, you, you're in your, like, GSD, get stuff done as a coach and a mom. Mm. You don't even realize a lot of that until it happens. I didn't even know that until, like, approaching the Final Four. Because really? I didn't assume there had been many of black women in the term. When I look at, like, Carolyn Peck, Don Staley, Vivian Stringer, I'm like, oh, mm. plenty of times. I, didn't, I couldn't believe that was the first time two black females in the Final Four. I was kind of shocked. I'm like, dang, there's not enough of us coaching, right? So we yeah. brought a voice and talked about if you can't see it, you're not going to be it. Well, there aren't a lot of us. Right. If you think of like successful, and I'm not even on the same level as them, but I'm just starting. But if not you think yet. successful black coaches, like how many are there? Like there's, you think of Vivian. Very few. Yeah. And like, look at our sport. It's primarily, primarily black. So I think that just the opportunities and when we're given opportunities, we flourish. And I think for also for Don and I, we were the first WNBA players or former WNBA mm -hmm. players to be in the final. So I didn't even know that. I just figured there would have been a lot. So it, it's I was kind of oblivious before. So it's an honor. Do you see that becoming more of a trend? Like you think we'll see more former players from the W coaching either in college or or back in the league? I think we need to. I think it depends. Um, there is no system to help. So like even for me, when I got done playing, I was like in my 30s. Right. And so I got my first assistant job at a power five school. So my track was kind of fast. Right. We need opportunities. So if you're not given the opportunity, you're not going to do it. But then when you're given the opportunity, you need to be successful. Right. I think that now Don and I like showing that we can be successful and we can do well. We're given the opportunity. I think you'll see more. And now there's like Tina Thompson. There's, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot more now. Um, you know, at Duke, Kara Lawson. I was like, the SEC's got several uh, black women coaches. Yeah, but like former WNBA, there's right, not yeah. a lot. Kara Lawson mm. would be great. She's an Olympian. She's going to do well. Yeah. And then there's more of us, but there, there just wasn't before. Right. So. Yeah. Let's see. We'll, uh, I think we got a question here from the lounge. We'll see. And again, we'll take any questions, but before we wrap up, we want to uh, respect coaches' time. Got a Lounge says, if South Carolina had beat Stanford and you and Don faced off in a historic championship game, who'd win? I mean, I don't, like that would be a good game. It depends on who's hot, that, that game. It depends True. on how hot areas, and they got, they got some beasts over there, too. I think it would have been a good game because I think the styles, like similar, like both you know, aggressive, athletic, mm -hmm. uh, they're a lot bigger inside. So we would have had a tough time against Boston inside. Um, but that would I think it would have been a good game. But, like, they were a very hard team to beat. Mm. And, you know, the hard thing for us is we played Stanford multiple times. Stanford right. was a team than us, of course. Just a little deeper, a little bigger inside. But, you know, it's like, you know, you face another pack. In the conference, yeah. That's kind of like, dang, you know, because at least you face someone else, you can maybe sneak up and get a win. Right, you know? new smile. Yeah. yeah, they don't know your, your secrets yeah. and all that, yeah. Exactly. And Tara, like Stanford, she runs the system. Tara's such a great coach. I mean, it was like they're very hard to beat because they have shooters. They have inside. They have like a complete team. Mm -hmm. And that's why she is who she is when she does what she does. Um, so it was a very hard game. But, yeah. but I, I like the way we fought. We got down, I think, 11 points at one time. We came back. I mean, our first couple games against them during the year, we got our butts kicked. Mm -hmm. So we like improve. But, you know, tough team. And those are tough games. Definitely.
What was it like? I guess what has it been like? Because you were both in WNBA at the same time, but competing against Don, coaching against Don, coaching with Don for the America. Like, what is what is just that progression of y'all's relationship been like? Um, it's progressed a lot this year. I think she's someone I've watched from afar, kind of newer, had mutual friends, um, have so much respect for her because she's done so much for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I really respect who she is, what she stands for, and how she's a voice. Right voiceless and I, I respect that and she has a platform where she can do that mm-hmm. she has the respect um, she's a proven winner on all these different levels as a player and as a coach so she has the capability of making big changes mm-hmm. and then she's the Olympic coach so like what how, what bigger platform can you have for our game mm-hmm. so she actively changes our game with her voice and what she does so um, she's been a, a, a good friend to me. Um, she's helped me if I need to call her or do anything. And, you know, we wanted to play each other. Um, we were going to make, we wanted to make history. So we were both pulling for each other. So I want her to be successful. She wants me to be successful. She cares about growing the game. Um, I have a great opportunity to coach with her, and she's a great basketball mind. So just watching her, uh, she's got a really good demeanor and um, a good aura about her as a coach and a person. So you can see why she recruits so well, but she's a great basketball mind. So she knows the game. Um, and so I think a lot of great players aren't always great coaches. And, like, I, I just got to see firsthand how she's a great coach. Why so. do you think that it, Why do you think a lot of great players don't necessarily – and I feel like that's a not even a women's basketball. It feels like a men's, women's, any sport thing. Why do you think that it – Well, because when things come so easy to you and they're natural, you mm-hmm. can't teach that. So I think um, when you're just skilled and you can just jump out of the gym and go like 360 dunk and it's like effortless. Right. Yeah, it's no like just, just, just do that. Just do what I did. <laughs> I think when things are natural, you don't know how to teach it because it's just you do it. And I've, I've learned even as a coach, you have to dumb things down and teach it and remember why you did that and how to break it down. And, and teaching is difficult. Right. So I've learned and I'm learning still, it's very hard to be simplistic. It's very hard to break something down in an easy way without saying 500 words and be like simple, two, three words, do it, teach it, and break it down. And I think a lot of players, they don't put the time in. Um, They don't have that uh, patience to do it, and I think it's hard. You can't just say, oh, go do this, because your kids will be like, well, why do I do that? What's the reason of doing that? I'm always going to do this. And you can't just say, shut up and do it. Right, because I said so. It's not going to cut it. No, it doesn't work. I have to explain, if we do this, this correlates to this. And I think that um, I think sometimes the work work ethic when you've been playing pro a long time, making a lot of money, like do you want to go grind for seventy hours in the office? Well, if you're a coach, you have to do that. Right. And I think some don't have the the capability of doing that. Like they don't want it and they don't work. So it, it. But I think that there are some that do and can because if you work like you did as a player and you work your butt off and you go put in recruiting, like I think Kara Lawson is going to be someone that does that. Oh, and as that you grind it out, you want to be successful and your heart's in it, you're gonna do it. So I think for us, like myself, Tom, Kara, Kara Lawson, um, Tina Thompson, we need to be successful because then we paved the way for other people. Right. If we fail, it's like everybody else has always failed. There's tons of players that have failed, so we don't open the doors for other people. Definitely. So we got uh, Jamie checking in here. Jamie says, <laughs> yeah. keep representing. She was my teammate, so she played with us for the storm. Jamie was oh. a baller, and we played against each other in college. I was her host at Arizona, and she ended up going to Washington and beating our butt all the time. She was a baller. So, so you were a bad host is what I mean. Yeah, I guess. I didn't get her to come. <laughs> I guess. We could have been like two All-Americans together. See? We'll, uh, yeah, we might got to get that story uh, from Jamie's 
point of view. Jamie was good. She's from San Francisco. She was a ball. She had really long arms, so she was a great rebounder. She could score. I mean, she was like a scorer. Now she works at Nike. She's done a great job. Great job in the community. Really good. Okay. Shout out to Jamie uh, checking in. Let's see, I think we got a question here. Uh, I got one from Subby. Subby says, how do you avoid a hangover season next year, especially with heightened expectations? So I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about that right now. Um, I don't want that. So, like, I'm on a relentless pursuit to get players and try to be successful. I don't want to be – like, what I fear the most is being in that coach. Like, oh, you had a great player. You went to the Final Four. You played for the championships game. Now you suck and you can't get back there. Yeah. Like, I do not want that to happen. Like, I want us to build a great program and sustain success like the Dons, the Taras, the Vivians, like it, Gino. Yeah. Where you get you build a program and you get there, like that's establishment, yeah. yeah, like Maryland, Louisville. That's what's hard to do. It's easy to go there one time, right. not easy, but like you can do it. Like going there many times is, um, you Especially know, what the target's gonna be on your back, and yeah, you got like the number I mean, one by your name, and all that, yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I want us to, to get there again, and I, I don't want the hangover season, that's like my worst fear. <laughs> See, I think. Have any more questions? We do have one last question we'd like to ask all our legends. Getting together season two of our playlist. So what what are you listening to when you're on the way to the gym, on the way from the gym? You might be playing it for practice. You might be playing it getting ready in the morning, getting the kids ready. What what are you listening to? Well, if it came to my playlist now, you'd hear like Baby Shark or PJ Masks. Okay. Not what I want to <laughs> Um, I love Beyonce. She's fly. Like okay. yeah, you can never go wrong, Beyonce. You know what? Also, I, I like. I just heard some songs from um, Justin Timberlake. Like I like him. I like kind of Sierra. I like old school stuff. Um, not necessarily old, but like Beyonce. I feel like you can always listen to her and love it. And if I yeah, looked like can. her, I'd be a lot happier. But I don't, so I just have to listen to her. I mean, it's just one Beyonce. Only one person ever has looked like Beyonce. I know. So Beyonce. don't. Yeah amazing like i think she's just the boss and i like her and i think her music always just gets you yeah we we, we can definitely throw a, a couple of queen bees songs on there for you uh yeah. now i was i was told to ask i won't say who told me to ask uh <laughs> but just ask about uh about salvo okay about what the uh salvio how you all met and just just your role uh balance okay. that between coach between wife between mother between everything so I met him when I was, so he was not my coach. I always put that disclaimer out. Um, I was not my <laughs> coach. Um, so I was, I was playing on a team in Italy. He was coaching on a different team. So mm. I met him. I remember, like, Italian guys aren't tall. I remember going down, everybody talks about this cute guy in Sicily, and I was always like, they're cute, my cute, or two different cutes. Um, so went down there, and he was like this tall guy, really handsome. Mm. I'm like, Ooh, he is handsome. But I didn't know if he, like, spoke English. I didn't know if he liked American. Like, does he like black women? Like, I don't know. Or right. does he like, I don't know. So I thought he was cute. We were kind of looking at each other. Um, and then he called me, like, like, a couple, I think it was, like, maybe, like, three weeks later, got my number from someone and called me. He had like a really thick accent. Spoke English, but not great. Um, and He's then we were home for a while. Mm. And then like after that, he came to play us after the, the turn of the year. You play the same team like at your place. Okay. And then we went on a date after. And then we just started dating since then. And fell in love. And he followed me to America. We weren't supposed to move to America. We were supposed to live in Italy. Stay over the- yeah. But um, I said, just try it. Just come out here for a few years. Try it. So he left a coaching career, came here with me, and then, um, yeah, we love it now. He loves Arizona. 
I was gonna say, does he like? Does he love it as much as Italy? I'm sure he's always trying to uh, push you back over. They're like, yeah, you know, we can do this overseas too. You know, yeah. I think when things get really busy or hard, I think it makes it him miss it because the the pace is so different. Right. You enjoy life more as an Italian, so we do talk like we don't talk about leaving, but mm. we talk about like one day living there and like living here for our kids, like in between both places, because the yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. I think here it's like a very materialistic place. And you're always following, chasing a dollar, like yeah, the hustle, hustle. Always on the grind, yeah. You try not to be like that on the grind all the time. And then later on, like when we go there, you can relax. You can live in an apartment. Like no one cares about the size of your car or house. Yeah. You can kind of live life. So I appreciate that about them. That's why we're a really good balance. Because I'm like, let's go. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to work. We got to He's more like, chill out. He's, he's like, take it easy. Yeah. Like, take it easy. We got to go have coffee. I'm like, no, we got to go. We got 20 minutes, you know, like. <laughs> So we're a good balance. I think at work we're a great compliment because our personalities are really different. Mm. He's a great basketball mind, but he'll tell me the truth. He'll be like, Adia, that was shady. Don't do that. <laughs> that was a bad call. Don't <laughs> run that play anymore. Like, why'd you call that? Because I wanted to. No, like, uh, well, think, we talked about this. You know, like, stick to your plan. Like, go with your right. gut. Like, he'll hold me accountable for things. Tell me the truth, and I'll be mad for five minutes, and I'll be over it. Um, <laughs> it comes from a good place, though. Yeah, it comes from a good place and cares. And I think that... And coaching is a very cutthroat business. You don't win, you get tired. Like, that's the reality. Like, everybody loves you when you're winning. They hate you when you're losing. City, people, it's why you get paid. Um, but I think that to have someone next to you that is as, is as invested as you are is very rare. You're never going to find that from an assistant because assistants, they get paid somewhere else, more money they go. It's just kind of the and it's the way it should be. It's the way it is. But, like, when you have someone with you, it's your family, like, he works as hard as me, or if not harder, yeah. feels that stress and is as invested as me. So to have that by my side is valuable mm-hmm. and meaningful. And if you like went to our office, you would never know we're married. And we're very, <laughs> we're, I mean, we're very like, like intentional about being professional. Right. Never let anybody say, oh, they're married, they do this, or you treat them different because he's your husband. We're not like that. And we're very intentional about it. So I think we make a really good team. Mm. Yeah, I think we're the only husband wife that's ever been to the final four, if I'm not mistaken. I was gonna say that you're making a lot of history. Yeah, I think so. I told Adam year. to look that up. Someone asked me that and I was like, I don't know. So well, I told I'm, Adam to look it up. But I, I think feel like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we can go with that. Like we'll have Adam confirm yeah. later, but I feel like we can <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could just go with that. <laughs> and he's oh, and he's the only one that's never gonna leave me because you win. <laughs> so we went to the final four. He could leave me, who knows? But we mm-hmm. went to the final four. And like they took two of my assistants, they tried to hire my Dobo. Like someone came after one assistant for like a hundred thousand more. Someone came after the other assistant for like ninety thousand more. Someone came after my Dobo for like fifteen. I was like, dang, you're trying to take all my people. Suffer from success. He's the only one that didn't get a job offer. He's always joking, like I'm the only one that didn't get an offer because <laughs> no one, everybody knows you're not going to leave. You know. What if he comes home one day? He's like, hey, we need to talk. Like, uh, you know, Rutgers or somewhere. Like they're really tough. They really want me on the staff, and he he's got an d- important decision to make. What do you say to him? No, it ain't happening. Because <laughs> we will get divorced, and we're not getting divorced. Correct answer. That yeah, is the correct well, we answer. Have, well, we have kids, but I always told him if later on in life, let's say we got we were coaching at a power five school for many years, if he wanted to be a head coach that bad, I would let him be a head coach, and I would I would be an assistant. But you never see that. You never see that. You never see a male head coach and a woman assistant ever. Mm. Like a husband and wife. Think about it. Right. It's always the woman's the head coach. The males, because usually if it's a guy, the woman will stay home with the kids, right? Right. So it's just a different, but I would like, I was, I stepped down like in 10 years. If he wanted to do it and go to a different level, be a head coach, I wouldn't care. Okay. I was going to say, he's going to, he's going to pull up this exact clip 
uh, remember when 10 years ago you said uh, X, Y, Z? I remember that. I was gonna get rid of that. Look, I, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, Salvo. <laughs> don't remember that, Salvo. Sorry. <laughs> so I think we've got a question here from Aaron. Aaron says, do you think being a mom has made you a better coach? No doubt. I think being, being a mom has made me for sure a better coach. Now, I've had to sacrifice some things because there's right. not enough time. So, like, is my house a little messier? Do I look like crap sometimes on the sideline? Yes. Because I'm pumping in the back, like, right. fastening my bra on the way out to the court. Like, it's just, like, stuff. 100 going. miles an hour. There's, I brushed my hair in two seconds. Like, like I put the baby had just woke up right before this. So my bun looks like crap. Because I was, like, rushing around trying to get It's just life. That's the reality, and you give up something. Mm-hmm. But I think where it makes you better is the love you have. Um, you understand, like, parents, because you're understanding their love for their kid. They're coming from a good place. They may be complaining about playing time. They love their kid. And you understand what that love feels like, and it's like your kid. Um, it's made me just better. I don't get too high and too low yeah. because, like, we lost in the championship game. I go take my little baby. I'm sad, but it gives you, it gives you happiness because it's, it's like a game. Right. Yeah, I have a kid. So it's I think it just makes you more like this. I'm not like this. I never have been, but I think they, they keep you keep you more grounded. More I think leveled, yeah. Yeah, more leveled, um, for sure. Um because like you're not gonna be home pissed off and like you come have to come take care of your kids. Right, you got diapers to change, yeah. like it's it's other stuff to that's more important. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think that all those things you put things in perspective, like what's important in your life. Um, I think you value time with people a little bit more. You have less time, so you got to be more strategic. So all those things, for sure, I'm a better coach, like way better. I have to figure out what's urgent and what's important and, like, dedicate my time to certain things. And, you know, I think the thing that I'm learning is to give myself a little more time, like start to work out and start to, like, love on myself a little bit because you come last. And, like, there's no time, so there's no time for you. So I'm learning that balance. Yeah, no, it can be dangerous because when you – yeah, you give all that to everybody else. There's not a lot left for you. So you, no, you definitely right. gotta, you definitely gotta look out for for number one sometimes. And that's the hardest part. I think it, it can be. Part. Yeah, it definitely can be. Yeah, I think that will do it again. We don't want to uh, hold you too long, Coach. Thank you so much for your yeah. time and, and for dropping in with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Of course, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bear down. <laughs> all right. And that would do it this week for Legends Live. As you know, we've got new episodes live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on the NBA Alumni's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch page. I'd like to remind viewers you can watch the replays of any episode at legendsofbasketball.com slash Legends Live. And you can catch the audio replay to our conversations by searching for Legends Live wherever you get your podcast. I'd like to give a thank you to Coach Dia Barnes-Copa uh, for joining us today. To Adam, behind the scenes, for helping set this up, as well as Bridget, Julio, and Aaron, who helped run the show. I'd like to thank you all for watching, and we will catch you all next Thursday.